0: Oh my goodness, we're getting closer to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and we are back on the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. We are truly, truly epic and all across the continent. Coming up momentarily, my dude from Western New York, a Syracuse guy through and through, Sal Capaccio will be here. Look forward to talking with him about, looky here, the orange still alive on the second weekend for the Sweet 16. Hey, but that's nothing new for Jim Behan. He's done this literally like 57 times. So we'll talk to Sal about that in a few moments. Reminder, however you found this show, social media link, et cetera, subscribe to the podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast, on all the podcast platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera college basketball coast-to-coast coast, subscribe also on tune in top and bottom of the hour on the tag sports group channel tag Tag sports group channel top and bottom of the hour this show streams every hour of every day it restarts at the top and the bottom so play sal until your heart's content on tune in for all of thursday and into friday uh, via the TuneIn app and again a new show comes out each day all the way through march and the final four Again, all of that out of the way. Let's bring in uh, from WGR radio, uh, my Tampa Bay brother from another mother, because he spent some time down here, started listening to me on the radio and saying, you know what? If that clown can do it, I can go somewhere else and do it. Sal Capaccio is here. I will tell the audience right now, you are not clad in a Syracuse anything right now. And I am 3% disappointed in you because the orange are alive.
1: It's good to have you, my friend. Yeah, you too. Uh, you know, I came from a meeting, so I have a polo on, and I usually don't. I usually dress like dress like a beach bum, basically. You know what I mean? Uh, especially, we've had a really nice weather here lately in Buffalo. That's going to turn. It's getting a little chillier, but it's nice to see that. It's nice to see you. I also noticed that you are wearing some sort of NCAA basketball shirt. What, I what is am. I have
0: a Final Four shirt on from twenty fifteen. I'm just in the mood. I'm in the spirit. That was the last Final Four in Indianapolis, and they're back in Indianapolis, so I'm in the mood uh, so, here today.
1: Speaking of Tampa, living down there in basketball. Um, I remember going to in '98 Kentucky Duke in Tampa, mm-hmm. and uh, Duke was down 17 with um 10 minutes left and came back to win. Or Kentucky was Kentucky was,
0: Kentucky Kentucky was, was down. down. Yes, they
1: went they, they went back and they they obviously that was when they lost to Arizona and Miles Simon.
0: I think no no no. Hang on. All right, so you remember it well. Uh, I remember it a little better. Tropicana I- Field, the home of the Rays. I- Tubby Smith's first season replacing oh, okay. Rick Patino. Patino yep. had gone to the Boston Celtics. And you're right, Coach K and help me, Elton Brand, I think was the star player in '98, are up big. And Kentucky, I think Tony Delk was still on that team. Uh they had a couple of other guys. Walter McCarty uh was gone. Antoine Walker was gone, but they came roaring back, won that game, and won the whole thing which at that time, Tubby Smith became the first coach to ever win the NCAA tournament in his first year at a new school. Now, somebody may have done it since then. we got to check the record book. We were there together. We weren't sitting together, but we were there together at the Sweet 16. And the next year, the Final Four was in Tampa Bay, and that was UConn in the championship game, beating Coach K with Khalid El-Amin. I still remember Khalid El-Amin was right over in front of me, throwing that ball up in the air, jumping up and down, going, we shocked the world, we shocked the world. UConn's first title. So we have a Tampa Bay connection to the Final Four, Sal Capaccio.
1: Yeah, and um, I remember going there right before I moved back to Buffalo. One of the one of the times it was in Tampa, and there was some really good, you know, first and second round matchups. So it's 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 been cool to kind of go to the tournament and experience tournament and experience that. And I know the, I think the ACC tournament was even there. Really, one Correct. year was it? I had mean, the was... ACC
0: tournament here. I've had yeah. the SEC tournament here. I've had the women's Final Four uh, here as well um and again for uh last year in the tournament they were supposed to have the first and second round again of course no tournament was ever played all right so let's begin right there uh, i mean last week five straight days we've now had some time to recharge but sal we've missed this so haven't we i mean it was fantastic to have all the drama the upsets et cetera, for five consecutive days
1: it's been awesome really has tj i mean like you, I'm a big college basketball fan. I went to a big college basketball school, obviously, and I really missed it last year. I miss what I really missed. And I I missed a lot of this in football this year, even though they played, I missed the pomp and circumstance of college sports over the last year. That's what I miss. And you're still not getting as much of it with the tournament, but it feels at least a a much more normal. Now it feels much more normal. And I remember last year, just over a year ago, Syracuse was on the bubble as usual (laughs) and they, just they destroy North Carolina in the ACC tournament. And they're about to play Louisville, who was one of the top teams in the country. And that day was the day everything got canceled. Like I was, that was the day Syracuse Louisville. Come on, we, we win this. We're in the tournament, everything gets canceled. And it just really stunk not to have it last year. So we're back here where we are. I I give the NCAA a lot of credit. I give them, I don't give the NCAA a lot of credit for a lot of things. (laughs) I do give them credit for this. They did a good job of putting this together and understanding how they could make this work in one location, even with the funky dates. I understand why they're doing it with the COVID protocols. It kind of stinks, but this is what they had to do. So I, I do give them credit for pulling this off and being able to be where we are.
0: Love it. And it makes it even sweeter when you're a Syracuse guy and you're in Western New York. All right. It's easy to say now that you saw this coming, but off the heartbreaking last second shot lost to Virginia in the ACC tournament, For this team to have put it together in back-to-back games with San Diego State, and and then on on the uh, the Sunday West Virginia uh, win as well, I mean they deserve a lot of credit. Tell me more, and tell me more about why they have been able to turn it on at least in the first weekend, Syracuse.
1: Well, I don't think what people I think what people don't realize is if you go back to the middle of. February, almost like the start of February. I'm going to look back at the schedule. February 9th was the day they played NC State. They win 77-68. And they really played really good basketball from then on. Um, Even in a couple of losses, they had played well, especially in that Virginia game. Um, Syracuse did not have a good season overall. They had a really tough start of the season. They were one of the teams impacted by COVID. They had a couple of pauses. They did not practice for a good two weeks at a time. Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard, their starting backcourt, both had COVID, which we didn't even realize until after. And Jim Beheim came out and said, I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to make it an excuse of why they were shooting poorly and why they were playing poorly. But I will say, and I've always said this, Jim Beheim is a practice coach. His teams need practice, and they get better when they practice. They, when they had more time to kind of regroup, they played a lot better. So going into that ACC tournament, I knew, okay, they're playing better, but they're still on the bubble. They need at least a win. Okay, they win the first game. They go on to play against, um, uh, they win against, and against, by the way, who did they play that first game? Uh, looking in the ACC tournament. Oh, was San it? Diego State. Yeah. No, no, I'm back in the ACC tournament. I'm thinking who they wound up uh, losing. I can't remember the first game they played in that particular tournament. Was it North Carolina again? But either way, they go and they have to play Virginia, obviously. And everybody knows if they beat Virginia, they're going to the tournament, right? They lose. You're like, okay, but they played really good by the eye test, TJ. Here goes the old eye test. They were clearly a tournament team. They mean, right? They beat Virginia. They most had of the, bashed
0: like, NC State as the team you were looking for, and then yes, they lose on a last-second shot to Virginia.
1: Correct, NC State. But anyway, but what worried me was all of a sudden you get Georgetown stealing a bid, right? You get someone else stealing a bid. Here comes Cincinnati about to steal a bid. They didn't, and I was like, man, they may. I don't know if they're going to find the, their way on the outside looking in, but at the end of the day, I think the uh, the committee saw that this the true Syracuse team. Was good enough to make it now. No, I don't think anybody expected them to be a five or six seed, but I think that they were properly in the tournament. I would not have complained if they weren't because I understand the way it works. And, you know, they didn't do enough throughout the season. You have to look at the entire body of work, but they were always better. I think than what they had played for most of the year.
0: Love this man. He's always better. He's Sal Sports on Twitter. Sal Capaccio is WGR Radio. He is my sideline brother from another mother in the NFL as he works the Buffalo Bills sidelines. Sal got to enjoy the playoffs this year. I got to enjoy the playoffs this year. We hadn't had the playoffs in a while. You and I had not been fielding January phone calls from anybody about postseason for a while. You more so than me, though, because the Bills had made it a couple of times uh, and the Bills got all the way to the AFC title game for the first time since Bill Clinton was the president in his first term uh, back. Back in 1993, the Bucks got all the way to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002 and won it with Tom Brady. So you and I love talking football, but now we're talking round ball on college basketball, coast to coast. And Sal is a Syracuse apologist, I say playfully and lovingly. And rightfully so. They keep winning in the NCAA tournament. Does Jim Boeheim get enough credit? He only has the one championship only. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in the final four numerous times. Does he get enough credit? for the longevity and how consistently good they are, especially in March. What say you?
1: It's a very complicated question when it comes to Jim Beheim, So I'll try to answer it as simple as possible to answer your question straight up. He does not get enough credit. Um, He does not get enough credit for how long he sustained this program at a, at a good to high level. Um, The problem is, as much as Jim Bayheim, as we've seen, like they they get into the tournament sometimes when people think they shouldn't, and then they go on these runs. The th- for the third time, they've won games as a double digit seed. Basically, they've gotten to the final four as a double digit seed. Jim Beheim's mo historically has been to overachieve with less talented teams, but TJ to underachieve with more talented teams. There's been teams he's had where you're like, oh yeah, that's a really good team, and they they flounder and they and they flop out. Remember he was the first coach and it's happened multiple times since he was the first coach to ever lose as a two to a 15 when they lost to Richmond in 1991. Right. I mean, you know, with Billy Owens and Derek Coleman and those, I mean, the, these guys lost as a two seed. It was the first time. However, for Beheim to maintain and, 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 you know, just as well. And yes, they've had, had some sanctions over the years, like most schools have, but with all of that, that happens around college sports and all the turnover in coaching and things like that, For Jim Beheim to maintain the level of consistency, at least, has been, I think, a pretty remarkable achievement. Now that said, I'll be honest with you, TJ. Like, I think the program should be higher than what they are. I think we should. I say we. Sorry, I shouldn't do that. But I went to Syracuse. (laughs) Syracuse should not be on the bubble every year, right? Syracuse should be a team that is comfortably in the tournament every year and at least in a top four ACC position. I'm not expecting them to win the conference every year, loaded with North Carolina and Duke and you know some other teams, Florida State now, whatever. But I do believe recruiting has dropped off over the years. I do believe that he's kind of he's always kind of he, he not that he doesn't want the one and done. He's had them. He doesn't really go after them. And I think it's missing a little bit of that high it high end type of player once in a while. So I do think there's some to be desired still. I don't like the fact that this program is a bubble team every year. I think Syracuse should aspire to be more.
0: But at the same time, when they do get in, they do damage. And you mentioned the 2016 team that was in the first four and made it all the way to the final four. Michael Benadji is probably the most prominent name from that team. Do you see a little of 2016, not necessarily from the talent standpoint or the team makeup standpoint, but the mojo, the magic? Do you see a little of that right now with Syracuse 2021 here? Uh, I know it's going to be a tall task with Houston and then potentially looming with Baylor after that. But do you see a little 2016
1: magic right now in the 2021 team for Syracuse? Yeah, anytime you get into a tournament and then you start to get on the roll like that, I think you have to see that, right? And it really starts with, I, I think, you know, it's funny. As a football guy, you know, I mean, whenever a team would play the New England Patriots, you'd have this mental block, mental hurdle. We got to play the Patriots. Oh my God, it's Tom Brady, right? I think you get to this point it's oh my God, we got to play that zone defense almost teams are almost yep. defeated before they step on the court right right and when you get a run like this from Syracuse, which they've had multiple times in the past, it's a lot of times because I think teams really kind of have this mental hurdle of how do you attack the zone you don't know and, and it's and it's tremendous and it's wonderful, but it's a lot of uh, paralysis by analysis before you even play them. right.
0: One thing is you can't simulate it in your own practice and you don't see it in your own league. And so you can show it to them, Sal, as you know, and you've done some coaching and I've fooled around and done some coaching at the lower level. You can try to simulate this. You can tell them about it. You can show them on tape. But until you get out there and you see the length, the arms, the width, the length and, and what it disrupts firsthand uh, you know tim brando said on this show uh, yesterday depending on when they're hearing us, he said on the wednesday version of the show the acc is more familiar with it game in and game out week in and week out they see it but then san diego state doesn't see this and can't simulate it and by and large whoever else they're playing and, and you've got
1: to figure it out on the fly during the game right that's what you're saying that's right and let me tell you this um like so we're, we're talking on our station here. And of course, we're talking Syracuse basketball here in Buffalo because there's so many Syracuse fans and you know, people connected to the school in this area. We were talking about it last week leading up to the San Diego State game. And I was asked on the air, well, you know, Syracuse is an underdog by like whatever it was, three and a half, four points in that game. What do you think? And I said, look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. You always take Syracuse early in the tournament because of exactly what you said. These teams don't see the zone. They don't see this in their own conference. You get out there. You think, you know, you know who who play like it was um, was the second game when they played the other night. Um, they beat San Diego State and then they beat um, West, Virginia. West Virginia. Thank you. West Virginia started off the game as like a team that really thought they were prepared for the, to play the zone, but then realized we're really not prepared because it's way different than what we prepared for or what we think. And what people don't also realize about the zone, TJ, is Jim Beheim tweaks it all the time. He always kind of moves things around and says, well, you know what? This team has this shooter. That team has this low post guy. So he actually moves things around. It's not a straight two, three. Like you walk into your local high school gym and see kids just with their hands up saying zone, zone, zone. That's not the way it's played. And he also recruits specifically for the zone, these long athletes who can get out. They close out so quickly. If you get a chance to watch Syracuse play and they go with that lower level camera, that floor level camera, and you see the zone, just pay attention to how long and how quick they close out on everybody. That's what makes On the it
0: wings. Long. On it's the wings. right? right. incredible.
1: Right. You just can't, you, you can't shoot. And When you get an open look, you got to hit it, and that can be a detriment to Syracuse, obviously, because you can give up those looks. That's what happened against Virginia in that final shot, obviously. And the one thing that is their kryptonite, especially this year, is offensive rebounding. Um, the zone does lend itself to teams getting to the boards because you can't put a body on a body because you're not playing man-to-man. So how do you negate that? Well you make sure that you know teams don't hit their shots and you are in a better position to do that.
0: Love this insight. Again, I promise we'll talk about a couple of other things. But Well, I have Sal Capaccio here. Sal Sports on Twitter. Great follow. Love his insight. He's a Syracuse guy. He's got great resources uh, and insight into Syracuse from being in Western New York and around all of the fans. So let's bring it to the matchup on Saturday. We're Houston, a team out of the American Conference that is a veteran team. You got a veteran coach on the other sideline, uh, on the other bench in Kelvin Sampson, who's been in the Final Four with Oklahoma. He's been in the NCAA tournament also with indiana was in the ncaa tournament before with washington state so kelvin sampson is a veteran coach i have to believe over the last few days they have been working not just on the zone on the offensive end working on guard the three-point line guard the perimeter do not leave guys do not leave guys open off of screens and step backs i think houston um has probably belabored that point because yes they were hitting shots Syracuse in the two games with San Diego State and West Virginia but I thought both of those teams were a little lax in hey he's three feet behind the line we'll let him take that or hey I'm not going to close out like you're talking about off a screen and get a hand in his face and boom it's a three and boom it's another three I think Houston will be much more ready for that and I think that's the most crucial part of this game Saturday night is if Houston defends the three point line, they've got a great chance to win. And if they don't Syracuse is in the elite eight brother.
1: Yeah. You know, I just said a little while ago, offensive rebounding against Syracuse is their kryptonite and this Houston team can rebound. They are a very, very good offensive rebounding team. They're also very stingy on defense. You're right. They're going to man you up. They're going to get in your grill. They're going to make it very tough to shoot. That's what happened though. You know, early on, West Virginia was doing that. Buddy Beheim only made one shot. His first shot of the game goes to halftime with three points, but Syracuse comes out and they find ways to get him open. They find him. He starts getting on a roll. Syracuse does have shooters. Beheim, Joe Girard starting to heat up. Now they have a couple of guys that can come off the bench and hit some threes, but you're right. I think that's going to be the challenge for Syracuse in this game. I think the other thing is the real big question. in This game is Giroux. I mean, what is his situation? Is he going to be healthy? Um, he has the hip pointer. You know, I think Kelvin Sampson said he's hoping he can be seventy to seventy-five percent. I mean, that's not good because that's a that's a guy they're going to rely on a lot. But look, you go back to the national championship season of two thousand three for Syracuse. Just excuse for me to bring this up, maybe, but it's fine. National championship season and Syracuse played Kelvin Sampson's Oklahoma Sooners that year. They had no idea what to do against the zone. In fact, right after Houston won. I was reading tweets from Syracuse people that I follow that said I'd rather play Houston than Rutgers because Kelvin Sampson looks so ill equipped to go against the zone in O three. <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to try to do this time. Maybe
0: they've learned from it. And I don't know, Maybe, you were know. there You were there in the Superdome when all of that unfolded in the Final Four, and I was there as well. It was a magical time. But even in those two semifinal games, those teams uh, had trouble, including Kansas in the championship game uh, that was loaded uh, that season. So again, uh, it brings back the point, you can drill it into them. You can show it to them on tape. What's going to happen against the zone when you get out there? And can they defend the three-point shot I mean the perfect analogy from this week is if you watched what Colorado did to Georgetown just to bring it to that game and I had Georgetown again I'm confessing this on college basketball coast coast I had Georgetown in the 12-5 game and Colorado Sal shot them out of Hinkle Fieldhouse in the first 10 minutes of the game and, and Georgetown didn't do anything to get them off the three-point line, didn't get in their face, etc. okay? Fast forward 48 hours to Florida State, a, a program you're familiar with. You've been in Florida some. Leonard Hamilton, a fantastic coach. They are long. They defend. Colorado yep. couldn't get the shots they got against Georgetown because Leonard Hamilton said, we're going to guard the three-point line. We're going to guard you off the screens and get a hand in your face and obstruct you. Colorado made 11 threes in the first half of the Georgetown game to wipe them out they made two in the first half against Florida State so again this premise of hopefully they've studied it hopefully Houston understands now go out and execute because if you let Buddy Bayheim and those other guys have some space and shoot they've already been demonstrating they will make them so that's that's fascinating about Uh, this matchup. Uh, And I am very disappointed right now that you're not, we've been talking for 20 minutes on college basketball, coast to coast. You haven't put the Carmelo Anthony headband on or the Jersey (laughs) or any of that.
1: Uh, right now, during the conversation, Brad, I actually while do have a here. couple of mellow jerseys, actually. One is <laughs> one of the metallic one. I think they won, they wore I, one time ever. And I, have I,
0: I will be very it. disappointed if there's not a South Sports tweet with you in that jersey at some point this weekend and around the game. I'll be profoundly disappointed if that is not the case that's from my man. All right. So uh, let's branch it out just a little bit. Is there, I understand fully you're going to be glued, and that's the last game of Saturday's Sweet yeah. 16 is Syracuse and Houston. If there is another game Saturday, whether it is Loyola and the match up with Oregon State that we've talked a bunch about this week that's the first game Villanova Baylor the winner gets the winner of Syracuse Houston is the second game around 5 15 eastern time and then Oral Roberts the upstarts against Arkansas they played during the regular season Sal feel free to use all this ammo on your own stuff Oral Roberts led them at the half at Fayetteville and and then Arkansas came back and won the December game so these two teams have already played each other of those other three does one of them
1: really stand out and really intrigue you for Saturday go um, yeah, I'm looking at the schedule again right now. Hold on one second. So I want to just take a look and make sure I'm not confusing my Saturday-Sunday uh, schedule. It's okay. Right. It's Loyola, uh, both, Loyola both, Oregon both, State, Villanova, Baylor, Oral Roberts, Arkansas. Yes. You know, Villanova, Baylor obviously is super intriguing, right? I mean, why not? It's Villanova. It's Jay Wright. I think Villanova... It, this team, you talk about guy getting credit, I mean Jay Wright he's done an amazing job at that program. Here they come again. I wouldn't be surprised ever to see Villanova walk off with it all, but how good is Baylor i mean they're 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 just a really tough team to go against they're they're long they're athletic um you know they just they pose a lot of problems on both ends of the floor
0: all right, so we'll watch that one. Uh, for the Sunday games, I think we're all interested in what's going to happen, uh, obviously, with the one seeds, Gonzaga and Michigan. Gonzaga's up first with Creighton, Michigan, then with Florida State about 5 Eastern time on Sunday. Out of those two number one seeds, isn't Michigan the more vulnerable one? We don't know Isaiah Liver's injury status. They right. have other talented players. Florida State, very good in the Sweet 16. Uh, A little revenge on their mind. They lost to Michigan in the Elite Eight about three years ago. Leonard Hamilton, I'm sure, remembers that. John Beeline was the Michigan coach. Is Michigan
1: the more vulnerable here uh, of the one seeds between Gonzaga and Michigan? What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think so. And part of that is simply because of their opponent, right? I mean, you're playing a good Florida State team that you've seen and we talked about. Now, here's the thing about Florida State. They can be just as cold as they are hot. When they're hot, they're as good as anybody in the country. They also lost to Notre Dame when all they had to do yeah. was beat them on the final day of the regular season to wrap up the number one seed in the ACC. Like That's because they can, they can go cold, and they don't have to be that really intimidating force. But generally, when I look at Florida State, I'm like, that looks like a college basketball team in 2021, like what they should look like, the kind of athletes they have, the way that they play. Now, that said, Jawan Howard deserves maybe national coach of the year if he hasn't already received it. He's done an amazing job with that program. Um, I really like the way they play. Uh, They're they're, they're so energetic on both ends of the court. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. But yes, I do think they're the most vulnerable. Um, I can't see Creighton really threatening. Although Creighton's a better team than I gave him credit for and thought personally. Um, I can't see Creighton really threatening Gonzaga the way the Zags are rolling right now.
0: Voice of Sal Sports, Sal Capaccio with me. He's at Sal Sports on Twitter. A few more moments. It's college basketball coast to coast. We're in the lull before the Saturday and Sunday Sweet 16 games leading to the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday. They've never done the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday, as Sal referenced. They're doing this to give a little more time for COVID testing, COVID health in case something happens. Hopefully nothing does. Again, it's easier now with 52 teams that have departed after they've lost. to to hone in on the 16. And then obviously it'll be down to eight and then down to four uh, for this. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued too by Alabama and all the three point shooting and the run and gun with UCLA that loves to grind it out. That is a Sunday evening game. And then the final game is the PAC 12 Oregon and USC. I realize I'm in Florida. You're in Western New York. We all just are sitting back going, where did this come from with the Pac-12? But that's what makes March great, right? That's what makes the NCAA yeah. tournament great. The Pac-12 rose up, and nobody saw it, probably including the Pac-12 and their teams in schools. They didn't see this either.
1: No, I agree with you. But you know what I did see coming? I'll tell you, Alabama, because I know Nate Oates from here in Buffalo. Yeah. He, he got the job from here in Buffalo after he took over from Bob for Bobby Hurley. Nate Oates was a high school coach at Romulus High School in Detroit, Michigan, becomes – Bobby Hurley's assistant coach at the university of Buffalo. Bobby does a great job, goes to Arizona state. Nate Oates gets elevated to head coach and they're like, ah, uh, well, and people didn't really know who he was. He takes them to the tournament. They beat Arizona in the NCAA tournament. He gets the job at Alabama An unbelievable job that he's done so far. I've gotten to know Nate um, on a personal level as well. I'm just so happy for him, but this team, the way Alabama plays is exactly the way his teams played in Buffalo. They are just going to get after you. They're going to go for every loose ball. Uh, they, they, they want to intimidate you is what they want to do. And that's what Alabama is. I mean, Alabama just says, we can win any way you want to play. Just bring it.
0: One of the fascinating things, uh, and you love this in coaching uh, and X's and O's and whatever, tempo now has made its way into yep. college football, not as much into the NFL, but Alabama wants to play up and down. And the, and the phrase that I have repeated and have heard, Uh, said to me for years is they seduce you into hey play like us go up Mm -hmm. and down gun the three point we want you to play like us and I'll be very fascinated if Mick if Mick Cronin doesn't try to grind a little more with UCLA
1: and counteract that that's the great chess match isn't it real quick for that Saturday night game Oh, no doubt about it. Um, how about Mick Cronin, though? <laughs> the job he's done at UCLA, right? Every time I watch the guy, I'm like, he, he looks nothing like you think a college basketball coach should look, <laughs> but yet he has he, done a great job. And, you know, he deserves everything he's gotten to this point right now uh, with that team to come from where they were, obviously, out of that conference into the first four and now to where they are. But you're right about that. That's going to be an interesting one.
0: And they're without two of their best players. And they've won these three games, and they lost in the first game to Oregon State in overtime in the Pac-12 tournament. And a lot of people were wondering, are they even going to get in? They're in the first four. They've now won three games without their two best players, too, for UCLA. So that one is fascinating as well. And then Oregon and USC, of all – I mean, uh, my Lord, of all the impressive teams, I know Oregon did not have to play a first-round game, but good grief did they dump truck Iowa. And then, Sal, USC bombed 15 three-pointers on Kansas. has got some NBA-caliber talent. That's the final game of the eight games of the Sweet 16. So the Pac-12 is guaranteed at least one team gets into the Elite Eight. This is going to be fun to watch because those two teams, again, to reference, they only played once, Oregon and USC, in the regular season. USC won the game in Los Angeles. They didn't play in the Pac-12 tournament. Let's see if USC continues their role. Or does Oregon have something for them? We're going to find out.
1: And how about USC? You know, we talk, first of all, I love Dana Altman. I think he's a great coach, right? I mean, he's done an amazing job, but how about USC? You know, who their coaches, Andy Edfield, who was at yes. Florida Gulf Coast. Yes. yes. Down there too far from you. They beat Georgetown when they had the 15 versus the two back in 2013. Yes, he they did. The job. If he, if that doesn't happen, most likely Mike Hopkins gets the job from Syracuse's staff at USC. Cause he's from there, but instead he went to Washington. It's just funny how the dominoes fall.
0: Yeah, you're right. And Enfield uh, continues to have success in the NCAA tournament against the number, by the way. He is 9-0 and all time. The three Florida Gulf Coast games and now six games at USC. They've covered the spread in every game. Just throw that out there on college basketball uh, coast to coast. All right, we'll bring it back around. i got about 90 seconds left. Yep. Uh, Are you going to watch this game? I know you got the wife, you got little Max who's into the tournament. Do you have to be secluded for an Elite Eight game or Sweet 16 game with Houston? Or will you watch it with family or somebody around? Or will you begin to get them out of the room if you start to throw things at the TV because it's not going
1: well? How will it work for Syracuse, Houston, Saturday Night South? My wife will probably fall asleep, but she loves watching the games with me because she loves how intense I get, and she's become a (laughs) serious fan over the years because of it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, She's very happy for them and very happy for me when they win. Uh, Max tried to stay up for the San Diego State game. He fell asleep on my lap within five minutes. Little guy, little guy, right,
0: right. All right, so good luck with that. And again, you're taking calls on WGR about Syracuse. You're on all the, all this week and the rest of the yep. week as we're coming to you late week here on, uh, on uh, College Basketball Coast to Coast. As if I have to tell you this, enjoy it. It's going to be a blast. Let's see what happens with Syracuse. Again, they made their way into the Final Four from the first four five years ago. Is the magic back? We're going to find out. Sal, thank you. I appreciate the insight. The time has flown by. Thank you for the preview. Good luck to your Syracuse Orange.
1: Anytime, brother. You know that.
0: Sal Capaccio with me again however you found this show make sure you subscribe to college basketball coast to coast on the podcast platforms apple podcast spotify etc streaming top and bottom of the hour on tune in on the tag sports group channel tag, tag sports group on tune in, top and bottom of the hour every day. A new show is out all the way through March and through the Final Four. For now, we're done. I am merely T.J. Reeves. We're getting ready for the Sweet 16 Saturday and Sunday in Indianapolis. We've been talking about it on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.